Well, we thought we had prepared for every contingency. This is the one we didn't prepare for, actually. <laughs> well, actually, some of us did. But you didn't listen, did you? Just saying. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. Oh, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck oh, in the middle boy. with you. On the left and yes, the right. I'm stuck in the From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A. Also in Red Bluff and Redding, California, on KFOI, Round Mountains, KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. In Oregon, on the Central Coast, on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, and Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania, on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. In Grand Rapids on WPRR. In New Orleans on WHIV. Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN. Don't laugh so soon, New Hampshire. Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ. Seattle's KODX. Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR. And Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast coast and around the globe every day on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow... Says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. All right, the first question. First question I have for everyone out there. Is everyone okay? Are you doing all right? With Iowa results being reported several hours later than initially expected. Uh, I need to know, are you guys okay? Does anybody out there need blankets or supplies? Will you make it? Will you survive waiting to know who actually won or lost versus knowing who maybe won or lost sooner? I, I'm, I'm just I'm aching for all the souls out there, Desi Doyen, who are suffering today out there in Radio Land. Did I do I detect a bit of sarcasm in your voice? Stay strong. Stay <laughs> Iowa strong, America. We will make it through this uh, through this dark, dark moment in our nation's history. Well, uh, you know what? Hey, Des, hey. Uh, the uh, Democrats are nailing it, huh? <laughs> straight so. out of the box, straight out of the box in Iowa. I have a feeling this is going to be a really long year. But I was going to, you know what? I was going to, before we get to this, actually, I was going to play you something today regarding voting in Los Angeles. Get to Iowa in a second, which, given what happened on Monday night in Iowa, seems even more relevant now than it was before. So uh, we will get to the Iowa mess in a moment. But here is a 30 second preview. A caller mentioned this on uh, yesterday's broadcast. I hadn't even seen it. But here is a 30 second preview from CBS 2 out here in Los Angeles on their investigative report set to air on Tuesday night's 11 o'clock news. In Sweeps Month, featuring your always humble broadcast host, who you will hear at the... Stop laughing, Desi. (laughs) 
who you will hear at the uh, at the beginning of this clip. And you'll hear the Los Angeles County Registrar Recorder County Clerk, Dean Logan, at the end of this preview clip, which has a bunch of flashy graphics and footage of L.A.'s new 100% unverifiable touchscreen voting system, uh, that we have been warning about for so long, which are set to be used out here for the first time in the upcoming Super Tuesday primary on March 3rd. What could possibly go wrong? Uh, give it a listen. In an election season, with everything at stake, every vote counts. But L.A. voters may be in for a big surprise with these new computerized voting machines. How much confidence should people have in this new system here in L.A.? None. None. Find out what your $300 million of taxpayer money paid for. Even if they work perfectly, we cannot know that after an election. That's damn dangerous. How much confidence should voters have in these new machines? I think voters can have a great deal of confidence. Tuesday at 11. <laughs> So, <laughs> so that was That's the so local newsy, but it's a good, it's a well done promo, I have to say. And that was uh, the county clerk Dean Logan there at the end saying, well, "Sure, yeah, you, you can have confidence in that." That was uh, me at the beginning saying, uh, "No, you should have none, none confidence in these <laughs> systems." Anyway, that uh, th- that preview. Uh, was relevant when a caller on yesterday's show mentioned seeing it and uh, when David uh, reporter David Goldstein sent it to me yesterday after the show. But it is even more relevant, I think, today, given what went on in Iowa, where very similar warnings from experts in these matters were ignored by the officials running the election, or in this case, uh, the case of Iowa, the caucuses. But anyway, I don't know what everyone is complaining about. I have the full results right here from the Iowa caucuses last night, including full hand counts at the precincts of all hand-marked paper ballots. They were available quite quickly. I don't know what the problem is. Let me read them to you. Uh, let's see. Donald Trump won 97.1% of the precincts. Bill Weld got 1.3%. Joe Walsh. Got 1.1%, the former politician, not the uh, former uh, or the current uh, musician, Joe Walsh. And then other got 0.5. Yes, of course, those were the Republican results. They did have a Republican caucus in Iowa. Uh, and those results, by the way, are very telling about where the Republican Party is at this point, at least in Iowa, where 97.1% voted for Donald Trump, a president currently facing an impeachment trial in the U.S. Senate for, you know, violating the law and other high crimes and misdemeanors. But a reminder that those Republican results are based on hand-marked paper ballots, which are hand-counted publicly at each precinct each caucus site in full of all caucus goers on the Republican side. They do things a little bit differently than the Democratic side does. I'll get to that in a moment. But a problem that we spent a great deal covering in 2012 with the GOP Iowa caucuses had Mitt Romney announced as the winner on the caucus night by the Republican Party in 2012 until actual caucus participants, you know, voters, who were there and oversaw the counting and took pictures of it all to prove it, they were able to show that the Republican Party had made an error in their reported totals. In fact, Rick Santorum won the 2012 Iowa caucuses definitively. I think it was by eight votes, as I recall, but it was only announced two weeks later 
After they went back over all of the actual documents, the yes, paper trail, the yes, hand marked, hand counted paper ballots. But the results were ultimately accurate because they had those hand marked paper ballots. And I fully expect the results of the Democratic Iowa caucus of 2020 to be fully accurate when the results are ultimately released. That could be any time within this hour as we go to air. And if they uh, if we do get results from this, we will share them with you, along with our guest, uh, who I hope will be joining us shortly, John Nichols of The Nation. So everyone, please, please, it's going to be a long year. Take a deep breath. We told you about this app that ruined a lot of pundits' nights on uh, Monday night after the Iowa caucuses. We warned you about the dangers last week or maybe several weeks ago about this app, but for many months and years about the dangers of using untested, secretly developed tech in a mission-critical election. And I suspect that folks like Registrar, Recorder, County Clerk Dean Logan out here in Los Angeles County, who you heard on that clip, I suspect guys like him today are starting to sweat a little bit. Guys like him, guys like the Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, the uh, Election Commission in Philadelphia, all of whom, the folks out in North Carolina, all of whom are turning to untested, unproven, oft-failed, easily hackable tech to run their mission-critical elections. I suspect they are sweating bullets today. At least they should be. So once again, the broadcast is your early warning system for what is about to happen, and it would be good to listen. Thank you for noticing, Desi <laughs> You're welcome. And I think the lesson here is that accuracy is more important than speed, and we can live without the speed. We can't live without the accuracy. We can't live without the accurate. We Well, we can't live without the accuracy. We can live without the speed. But what we can also live without is claims that people are rigging elections without evidence that people are doing that. I've seen no evidence that anything has been rigged by anybody. That's why I say take a deep breath. Yes, this should have been avoided, but no, it doesn't mean our system of democracy is collapsing around us with uh, criminals, thugs, and, you know, DNC, uh, dastardly Hillary Clinton stealing elections or whatever people are out there claiming today. Slow down, breathe. We will figure out what happened, and hopefully because of the way uh, Iowa Democrats run their caucuses. We will figure out what actually happened. But I've seen no claim, uh, no evidence that, you know, this thing has been rigged by anybody. I have seen a lot of evidence that Democrats screwed up big time. That they should have listened to the uh, early warning system that is the broadcast. Even as I've seen a whole bunch of people claiming that the caucuses were rigged even before bothering with evidence to actually support that claim. That I mention it's going to be a very long year. If you're looking for a place to target where this screw up began, it actually began with Bernie Sanders in the 2016 Iowa caucuses, though he was absolutely right in what he called for at the time. As you may recall, or you may not, the caucuses in 2016 on the Democratic side. The uh, results between Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton that year were really, really close. That year, as in prior, uh, prior years, 
caucus captains at each caucus site in Iowa had phoned in their results to party headquarters, but the party only published the final delegate numbers rather than the results of the two separate rounds of voting that actually takes place at each caucus site. And on the Democratic side, it generally takes place by uh, people gathering with uh, other supporters of the same candidate and standing in different corners of the room, essentially counting up how many there are. And if any of the uh, uh, candidates received less than 15 percent support, well, those supporters had to uh, go and join another group of supporters or leave the site if they wanted. So then they would vote again a second time. Now, uh, Bernie, back in 2016, had asked for an audit of those very close results between him and Hillary. And the upshot is that in hopes of more transparency this year, above and beyond the final delegate numbers that are turned out. So you have the first round of voting numbers. You have the second round of uh, voting numbers. And then those get translated into delegates. It's all magic that only people in Iowa actually understand. If they do, presumably they do. But you have a lot of numbers. It's very complicated. So what they used to turn out was just the final delegate numbers. But there were questions about how we got to those delegate numbers back in 2016. And so this year, in the hopes of providing more transparency, the Iowa caucuses, the actually the the Iowa Democratic Party, decided to publish both rounds of voting that happen in the caucuses and the final delegate numbers, so three sets of numbers, and they developed an app to theoretically streamline the reporting of all of those numbers from the caucuses to the party headquarters. And in this case, you had uh, at least 11 different candidates on the ballot, so there was a lot of numbers. But the hope was for even more transparency than already exists at these caucuses, where all members of the public at the caucuses already know the results and how everybody voted at their caucuses because they can see it all. It is all done right there at the caucuses, even before the numbers are sent to the party headquarters to be tabulated with all of the other caucuses, and then they get to the final delegate numbers, et cetera, et cetera. It is pretty much the most transparent process in the entire nominating and election cycle, in truth. Now, they screwed up big time. The Iowa Democrats did, the Iowa Democratic Party did, by developing an app that was not tested. It was developed in secret. It They did not adequ ad adequately uh, uh, train precinct captains on how to download the app even, much less on how to use it. You know, when you knew, use new, secretly developed and untested tech in a mission-critical election, this is what happens. This is what we warn about all the time on this show, the Bradcast, your early warning system. Now, the good news is that this will be sorted out accurately eventually, and if there are any mistakes in the numbers or changes in the numbers, I believe they will be corrected because there were so many public eyeballs on every step of the voting process. This does not go through a computer, at least until they try to put it into the app. But of course, even if the reliable and secure numbers are eventually known, the hit to confidence among the electorate will already have caused irreparable damage. And that's the other thing that we constantly warn about. 
For years we have been doing so, even if an election is 100% secure and results are reported as per voter intent, if people cannot know that it is secure and recorded per voter intent, then confidence in democracy is lost. And we get to the place where we were in 2016, where everyone was accusing everyone else of rigging an election, and apparently where we are again right now. Despite all of the warnings from a few folks like me and a few cybersecurity and voting systems experts who have been trying to explain these same things to so many Democrats and election officials across the country. So, New York Times uh, says, blame 2016. A lot of reasons contributed to the fiasco on Monday, chiefly a breakdown of the process by which caucus leaders were supposed to report results to the Iowa Democratic Party. But one factor was baked into that process almost from the moment the caucuses ended four years ago, they write. In 2016, former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton edged out Bernie Sanders of Vermont in the state delegate count by a quarter of a percentage point, earning roughly 700 to Mr. Sanders' 697 state delegates. That means 23 national delegates for Clinton and 21 for Sanders. That they describe as an inconsequential difference between the two rivals. But Sanders' 2016 campaign fought for an audit in Iowa, comparing the reported results with the papers on which caucus leaders had recorded voter preferences. And they accused the state Democratic Party of a lack of transparency. And largely because of that, the party decided to release all of the numbers in 2020, numbers that it had always logged but never made public. And that's how we got here. The idea they write was that all this data would provide a fuller picture of each candidate's strengths. They would because, in fact, there was talk that maybe Bernie Sanders had uh, uh, re actually received more votes before the realignment that took place before the second vote at each caucus. Another consideration for Mr. Sanders in 2016 was that because of the realignment process and the arcane rules, it was possible that he might have actually received more support than Clinton in that first round of raw vote. And that might have made a difference uh, in how the media reported it and how the public perceived his momentum at the time. And so that's why we are where we are. Once the results from Monday night are confirmed and released, uh, released, says the Times, we will indeed have a more complete map of how the candidates did than we have had in any previous election cycle. But the need to report all these sets of results instead of just one was a major factor in the debacle as the state party struggled with what it called inconsistencies in all of that data. In addition, state officials this year required caucus goers to fill out paper presidential preference cards, which could be used in the case of a recount. So, yes, there actually are hand marked paper ballots, as well as, you know, all the people uh, publicly witnessing how everyone is voting as they stand in the corner of the room. There are actually written pieces of paper, written ballots here that can be turned to. If there are additional questions down the road about how these results should play out. So there is, in fact, a long and publicly overseen and overseeable so-called paper trail here. But this is what led to the news late on Monday night that Iowa Democrats blamed slow results on, quote, quality checks. 
The quote, the integrity of the results is paramount, the state party said in a statement late Monday night. We have experienced a delay in the results as to quality checks and the fact that the Iowa Democrat Democrat Democratic Party is reporting out three data sets for the first time. At least that's the information we have at this hour. As part of our investigation, we determined with certainty that the underlying data collected via this app was sound, according to Iowa Democratic Party Chair Troy Price today. He said while the app was recording data accurately, it was reporting out it was uh, recording data accurately, but it was reporting out only partial data. We have determined that uh, this was due to a coding issue in the reporting system. The issue has been identified and fixed. But then they wanted to go back and check all of the numbers all over again to be sure. So we're told in any event. The application's reporting issue says Price did not impact the ability of precinct chairs to report data accurately. So the issue has supposedly since been fixed and the party expects to release unofficial results. As I said, actually within the hour, they might be ongoing now. Before we get to our guest, John Nichols, who is on the ground in Iowa to help us understand what any of this may actually mean. But as AP notes, unlike the November election uh, and state primaries are, that are administered by the state and local election officials, the Iowa caucus was administered by the Iowa Democratic Party. As if having the local election officials run it would somehow be any better. Well, not with the tech we have coming into use for the very first time in this critical 2020 election, as we have also been warning about. Uh, in any event, states with upcoming elections took notice of the problems in Iowa, says AP. Well, I certainly hope so, but we will see. Uh, they note the Democratic Party in Nevada said Tuesday it would not be employing the same app or the vendor that was used in the Iowa caucuses they had planned to do so previously. So apparently they got the message at least. But will Los Angeles County, will the state of Georgia, will Philadelphia and North Carolina, or will they all find a way to, to say, well, you know, we've taken steps to avoid these problems, even though we plan to use untested, flawed, secretly developed, untransparent technology in our upcoming election. But other than that, we think everything should work out fine. The Department of Homeland Security said there were no signs of malicious cyber activity. Feel better? Uh, however, DHS Secretary uh, Chad Wolf told Fox News on Tuesday night that the uh, Iowa Democrats declined his department's offer to test the reporting app used by Democrats in Iowa. The state party had said previously that it had worked with security experts to test the app, but Many of the security experts that I have spoken to have said they begged the Iowa Democrats to not use this app. The Iowa Democratic Party pressed forward with the new reporting system anyway amid these warnings about the possibility of hacking and glitching, says AP. Party officials said they took numerous security precautions and maintained that any errors would be easily correct correctable because of backups and paper and a paper trail. That is true, perhaps. But as I said, the loss of confidence in the electoral system is not so easily correctable. And that is the concern. That is the concern that I always have. Iowa proves, A, the madness of using untested, secretly developed, untransparent new tech in mission-critical elections. It also proves that, B, 
the importance of publicly overseen results tabulated by humans at the polling place, which Iowa has, despite the meltdown of the app they used. And I would say that this is a long overdue message for election officials and party apparatchik who have been ignoring that very message from folks like me for so many years. Hopefully they get it this time. A longtime election integrity advocate uh, sent me via email today a comment. She said, who would have ever thought that using computers for election administration could cause problems? Aren't they supposed to make processes go more easily, more smoothly, faster, more accurate? What a stunner that everything descended into chaos when Iowa Democrats changed from their manual counting and reporting methods to move into the 21st century with computers. Even the uh, New York Times tech dude now seems to get it. The Times' Kevin Roos in a uh, column today headlined, The Only Safe Election is a Low-Tech Election. I like that headline, Desi Doyen. It's about time. Uh, Yeah, he argued, um, after Monday's Iowa caucus debacle, I've decided that Americans should vote by etching our preferred candidate's name into a stone tablet with a hammer and chisel. (laughs) Or maybe dropping pebbles into a series of urns as the ancient Greeks did. Or possibly just by voting the way we voted for much of the 20th century on punch card machines that spit out paper ballots to be hand-counted by election workers with zero iPhones in sight. Basically, he said, we should be begging for the most analog election technology possible. And this is the New York Times tech guy. Thankfully, finally coming around. He says there is no indication of uh, that any of these technical issues changed the results of the caucuses or that any systems were hacked or compromised. Regardless, the damage was done. He says when it comes to the actual business of registering and counting people's votes, many of the smartest tech experts I know fiercely oppose high-tech solutions. After all, every piece of technology involved in the voting process is a possible point of failure, and the larger and more interconnected the technical systems, the more vulnerable it is to an attack. So, uh, he says, unless something changes, get used to the era of voting day software glitches because we've invited tech into our elections, whether or not it's up for the task. Well, some of us decidedly did not invite tech into our elections. Some of us have been actively uninviting it at no small personal cost for at least 16 years, while papers like the New York Times and the L.A. Times were heralding this snazzy new election tech. What could possibly go wrong? One more thing. One more thing before we uh, break and come back with John Nichols that could go wrong, that uh, something else that we have been warning about and that we've also been largely ignored about by many Democrats and progressives. Let's call it lesson number C here. It's kind of a nice example of the complications in store for those calling for ranked choice voting, what we saw in Iowa As I tried to quickly explain the complicated math of how it all works, it's kind of like ranked choice voting since the complicated set of numbers, you know, from the way the Democratic Iowa caucuses work and all of the realignments and everything, realigning votes after some candidates do not meet the viability threshold. That is very similar to ranked choice voting, RCV or IRV. Instant runoff voting. And as I almost always note on this topic, if you think we have enough trouble right now 
transparently adding one plus one plus one in our elections? Well, just wait until we add the complicated computer necessary algebra of ranked choice voting to the matter. You think it's messy now? Just you wait. All right. Just you wait while we take a quick break and uh, find out uh, Iowa Dems have released some uh, partial numbers, partial numbers from the uh, Monday caucus. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back with John Nichols of the nation in Iowa to explain to us what these partial numbers mean or don't. As the broadcast continues, I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. Hey, this is Brad. Do you enjoy your non-corporatized, commercial-free broadcast? Yeah, me too. But we need your help to stay that way. Please consider supporting the investigative blogging, broadcasting, and muckraking that we do here on the Bradcast and the Green News Report and bradblog.com with a donation. It's easy. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate and drop a few dollars in the tip jar. You can make a one-time contribution or an automatic monthly donation of any amount you like. It's easy. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you'll help me and Desi stay on the air to continue our troublemaking and muckraking without the corporate influence of anyone. Got it? Thanks. Stop by bradblog.com donate to help us out today. No, they may not. And apparently they are treating us to own, uh, treating us halfway at this point, given the numbers that they apparently have just released from the Iowa Democratic caucuses. That song, by the way, if you don't know, is from the great Broadway musical Music Man. It's called Iowa Stubborn, based on the premise that while folks in Iowa can be welcoming at times, they are also very stubborn in how they see the world or... At least they were back in the 1950s when that musical first premiered. They may be equally as stubborn now, at least when it comes to listening to cybersecurity professionals who warn about using untested, secretly developed, vulnerable and error-prone technology in mission-critical elections. But what do I know about such things? Joining us now is journalist John Nichols. He's the Washington correspondent for The Nation. He is the contributing writer for The Progressive and In These Times, associate editor of Madison, Wisconsin's Capital Times, and the author of uh, many books, including his latest, Horsemen of the Trumpocalypse. And while he uh, might be a favorite son in Wisconsin, he has ventured out to Iowa for the caucuses, although I understand he is now somehow freshly back in Wisconsin. John Nichols, uh, welcome to the broadcast. I assume everything in Iowa went smoothly. I haven't read anything about the caucuses. I, I <laughs> expect everything went just fine. Am I right? Uh, no, I had to flee Iowa because, uh, you know, <laughs> it, it was. It, 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 I, I actually have respect for democracy, and it was such a horrific sight. I, I didn't want to linger around the car crash. Okay, well, uh, well, John, we have uh, some numbers now, and let me just uh, basically give what we literally yes. minutes ago, these came out from the Iowa Democratic Party. Uh, after at least 12 hours of delay, instead of giving us 100% of the numbers, they're giving us 62% of the numbers, showing that in that 62%, Pete Buttigieg is leading with 26.9%, Bernie Sanders right behind him with 25.1%, Warren 183 
Biden in fourth place at with 15.6. John, any idea, I wasn't able to watch the announcement, any idea why the Iowa Democratic Party, after holding back the numbers for so long, is now coming out with numbers, but only 62% of them? Well, my friend, um, the, you've probably never screwed up as completely as these people. Uh, well, that's and, kind of you, but I'm sure I have. Anyway, yes. <laughs> there's actually joke T-shirts floating around that say, um, we don't always test our apps, but when we do, we do it on caucus night. <laughs> um, it's like, no, I can tell you, you've never screwed up this badly because yes, true, uh, true. no matter how hard you worked at it, right. I don't think you're in a position to literally screw up the, the basic small-D democratic processes of the United States. You're right. You are correct. Um, so, you know, look, here's the bottom line. They did release 62 percent because they're under an, an immense amount of pressure mm-hmm. to get numbers out. Yeah, and and they're, they say they're working to get it all organized and together as quick as they can. And we are talking, you know, literally as they're following up and trying to get more answers mm-hmm. on, on that. But bottom line is, um, you're right that they released results which show an incredibly close vote for what are called delegate equivalents, mm-hmm. and that's just you know some sense of who would get the delegates. Right. And, of course, it's already a disaster because they also released some popular vote stuff, and the popular vote stuff shows Bernie Sanders ahead in the popular vote. Well, that was actually Bernie Sanders releasing some of that popular no, vote numbers, wasn't it? Some, hang on here. Did I'm they? Gonna, yeah, it's, let's, let, well, we're talking as things are being you know, released here. So let's say that, that we're in a situation, this is something people feared mm-hmm. going into this thing, that you could end up with somebody getting a, a bigger raw vote, mm-hmm. right, a big, bigger popular vote, right. than they did delegates. And that's because of a really just incredibly complex, stupidly complex system. Which I just spent the half hour explaining on this program, and people are no I'm doubt still confused yeah. about it. But yeah, it's very complicated. The, the math, as they change the number of actual voters into state delegates and translate that. So yes, it is very confusing. And it does a horrible thing. What's right? that? Yeah, I, mean, I saw it in, in real life. Yeah, um, and then we got to get back to crashing on the Iowa Democratic Party. Okay, but I was in a Dubuque precinct nine A, mm-hmm. and about two hundred, better part two hundred fifty people showed up. The threshold to get delegates was thirty five. Mm-hmm. So they went through three cycles of kind of everybody moving around and reshuffling and everything, and they ended up the Sanders people dominated the room mm-hmm. from the start. Lots of college kids and right. even some high school kids, and. So they had really big numbers, and they succeeded in getting a lot of the Yang people over. Not all of them, but a big group moved over. That was a big deal for them. That would be in um, the second, because Yang would, did not no, qualify, and so in the second round? It was actually round? in the third. It was kind of in like a third round. What? Right? They had a second round. What? and Well, it wasn't quite. The way, the way to explain it is the Yang people held, mm-hmm. right, even in the second round. Right. And then the chairman said, okay, this is the last. You either go or you're going to. You're not going to register for anything, I right? See. Right. And at that final stage, after everybody shuffled around, in a very dramatic moment, chunk of the Yang people mm-hmm. uh, walked over and joined the Sanders people. Right. That took the Sanders people to a pretty high number. Right. And but here's the crisis. This is an internal crisis, and it's why you can end up with different delegate stuff mm-hmm. than popular vote because they round up or down. Right. right? So if you're at thirty-four point four. You're at 34. If you're at 34.6, you're at 35. Right. right? Could make all this difference. Well, in the caucus I was in, yeah. the 
the Sanders people got a bad rounding. They ended up, you know, they were at like, you know, that that four level. So they got rounded down. Right. Both the Warren and the Buttigieg people got rounded up. Oh. And so the end result was, even though Sanders people dominated the room, had far more numbers, almost twice as many as either Warren or Sanders. Mm-hmm. Sand, or Warren or Buttigieg, Sanders got three delegate equivalents, mm-hmm. and uh, Warren got two, mm-hmm. and Buttigieg got two. Right. So you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, no, it's, I... I do. It's a complicated mess of a system. It's a crazy mess of a system. And by the way, John, it's not unlike ranked choice voting, which I believe you are a great supporter of, and I am a great opponent of. <laughs> well, there you have but it. But I don't want to. Ru- I won't rub that don't in today. Don't try to educate me. I won't uh, do that. But <laughs> the no, your your point is given, and I'm still. But is it really like ranked choice voting? It's in, in some like. senses, it's a little more complicated. And frankly, it's physical. You're literally walking around the room with your neighbors, you know, telling mm-hmm. your neighbors they're wrong about their choice for president. Which I like. Uh, I like that part of the process. Actually, I like the fact. I like the fact that it's all fully publicly overseen, even though it's confusing. But I want to hit one point, John, that yeah. you mentioned because I think this is important. Uh, you mentioned this rounding business going on. They rounded uh, some candidates up. They uh, rounded Sanders down. Was that done on purpose to harm Sanders? Because there's a lot of people looking for any excuse right now. No, not in this situation. Okay, just, I want to be but clear. It, it yeah. wasn't, no, certainly not. Um, but it was very frustrating because the Sanders people, young activists who brought folks in, and they're like, they're just looking at this crowd they've got, mm-hmm. and they're saying, wow, we only got one more delegate equivalent. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and while they weren't <sighs> treated unfairly, um, what I can tell you is this. Mm-hmm. If the Iowa Democratic Party allowed delegate equivalents to be done based on the actual, you know, if you're at thirty-four point or thirty-five point five, you mm-hmm. get thirty-four point five. Right. I doubt. I can't say it for sure because I mean we have to do some more math. Right. But I rather doubt that Buttigieg would be ahead right now. That those small rounding errors uh, in sixteen hundred caucuses, right, right, could right? could have put yep. him ahead. But we shouldn't even make too much of uh, the fact that he's ahead right now, John, because it's only it's not si- real. Well, it's only sixty-two percent reporting, right? Right, it's so, not real. So that all could change. So I don't even want to make too much out of that. Uh, although I will note, and and the point that you made and that we discussed sort of in the last uh, segment is that Bernie. Uh, one of the reasons all of this is happening was because of his concerns about what happened in 2016, that he might have actually had more votes in the first round than anybody else, but that gets Almost lost in the, in the numbers. Yeah. And that is a problem also with ranked choice voting when, you know, you realign the uh, candidates who don't qualify and those, uh, you know, those supporters have to go choose someone else. It can knock out someone like a Bernie Sanders who did better in the first round once the uh, the lesser candidates, if you will, once their uh, supporters are, are redistributed around. That's also one of my concerns about uh, ranked choice voting. But I don't want to I don't want to rub that you in. You don't have to labor it. No, I don't mean to. I'm just trying to explain you know, it. Actually, classily, I'm not I, debating. You I don't. I, I know. And I don't wish right. to. I'm just trying to educate people about how this works. I'm actually not trying to make a case one way or another. But I do want to know. Let's just this big softball question here, and you can yeah. take this where you would like, and I will shut up and not debate. You. <laughs> um, what should we learn from whatever happened at this point in a, 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 in any case uh, in Iowa at the Democratic caucuses? 
Uh, and you are welcome to apply that question to the results, whatever they may be, whatever we may now know about them, or to the turnout, or to the catastrophic failure of the state Democratic Party to timely report those results. I give the floor to you, John Nichols. Thank you, comrade. <laughs> um, starting, number one, mm -hmm. caucuses suck. Yeah, okay. I'm sorry, they uh, do. Why? And um, because they take a couple hours, and if we really had a protection of democracy mm -hmm. in America where you got time off work and where you um, had, you know, all sorts of other structural supports, mm -hmm. daycare, things like that, um, then caucuses might be wonderful if we, if we lived in, you know, sort of a perfect society. But we don't. And, and I would specifically emphasize it, Iowa, which has mm -hmm. been a Republican state for, Republican run state for quite a while, um, really doesn't have the protections in place. And so, if you're working the night shift at the, you know, the gas station, mm -hmm. you're not going to caucus, right? Right? Yeah. They set up some satellite things, but they don't they really. Mm -hmm. Even that requires you to drive across town, things mm -hmm. like that. So they're just not functional. Mm -hmm. uh, they're not functional for working class people. They they have a history of terrible problems for people with disabilities. Mm. They, um, you know, uh, there's so many levels on which it just doesn't work. Not you're working mom. Not you, inclusive what? would be the way to uh, describe it, That's right? That's the starting point for okay. the problem. Right. But it's there's a whole host of others, and then once you get there, it you know literally it requires like a manual to figure out what you're doing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's very complicated, and they change the rules all the time. Right. From yeah. year to year. So even if you're an expert on caucusing in one year, it's different the next time. Right. So that's where a problem is right off the bat. Yeah. Um, now in this case, so beyond all of those issues, and beyond the issue of the fact that. I was an overwhelmingly white state, mm -hmm. and um, maybe for a party that's really relying heavily on people of color and diversity, uh, maybe not the best place to start. Mm -hmm. You might want to start someplace else. But even beyond all of that, they totally screwed up. Yep. They just did this, and, and that is a morally wrong thing. Mm. Because Iowa, the Iowa Democratic Party has said, we're going to be first. We want right. to be first. They've pressured the National Democratic Party to keep them first. They've you know, cut alliances. They, this has been a big project of theirs. When sure. you do that, you have one responsibility, and that is to run a clean, smooth process that produces results. Because the whole country, the whole world, all the campaigns, everybody invests in you, right? They, they make their commitment that, okay, we're going to get something clean here. But and do, do they didn't do that. Well, John, let me ask you this in a related uh, question. Do we put too much emphasis on speed over accuracy when it comes to reporting election results, not just in Iowa, but everywhere? In other words, if, Iowa, if Iowa had said, listen, uh, we want to get this right, our election results won't be available until the next day or, God forbid, Wednesday, two days later, we would all have to wait. I don't know how the country would survive if they had done that. Would that have been a problem? But we, you know, we we plan on getting them one hundred percent correct and transparently so, so everyone can check our math uh, two days from now when we so give the here's, numbers. Here's the answer to your question. Yeah, if that was being proposed, I would be in the front of the line supporting that. Mm -hmm. And I would, as I believe, you know, we we literally skew and warp results by racing them through. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But but. That's not the debate that's being had here. The commitment was already made to that they 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 part of this whole deal is they have a system mm -hmm. in place to get you those results that night. Mm -hmm. And so 
they didn't they didn't have the common decency to make sure that the system was going to work. Right. Well, and that's unacceptable because, Brad, mm-hmm. this is something that I read, Bob McChesney, I read a lot about. Yep. We have a media system that thrives on speed, thrives on, you know, moving things fast. And it, our media system is incapable of responsibly covering elections, as we've well established. Um, but it's especially inca- incapable in a moment like this. So you're right. If they said it's, this is a very complicated process, it's 1,600 caucuses across states, some will take longer than others, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. We have to have universal, accurate results. We're going to put them all out at once because we don't want to create false impressions and have people declare victory when they didn't win. Um, that would have been fine. But they didn't do that. They did the opposite of that. Yep. They, and so they have warped the situation in a way that denies a winner, even if it's Pete Buttigieg, if he wins, right? And I'm not sure he does in the end, because we don't know. But whoever it is, they denied the winner an honest, you know, moment in the yep. sun. Yep. And they also deny candidates who are down the line, like Andrew Yang. You know, Andrew Yang got 5%, roughly. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really a good finish for uh, an outsider candidate who's trying to raise all sorts of new issues. But he couldn't claim that. You know, and even well, Amy Klobuchar actually, did better than expected. Well, she did better than expected, but actually they were all able to claim anything they wanted on Monday. Yeah, but it was <laughs> they all went so out and declared they won, and they were heading on to New Hampshire, whereas some of them might have dropped out uh, had we had actual numbers. John, I've got just about three minutes. I want to try to shove in two questions here really sure. quickly. Uh, we're already... Of course, seeing a lot of finger pointing and claims of rigged elections uh, from a lot of different camps. I haven't seen any evidence of that rigged election, but how? But nonetheless, it doesn't matter. How much da- damage is ultimately done to a the Democratic Party here, and b the country along with it? If you know supporters of various candidates are able to now, uh, rightly or wrongly, start turning on each other and making. Uh, frankly, often unsupported charges of allegation and, and allegations. How dangerous scorching, is that? Scorching, huge damage. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump is going to give a State of the Union address, and he'll probably try and do all sorts of things to, you know, pick on Democrats and stuff like that. I'm going to tell you, I'd be very surprised. Maybe I'll be wrong if he doesn't use what would be his best line: mm-hmm. "Is they can't even organize Iowa caucuses." Yep. You know, I mean. That's huge damage these people have done. They've done damage to candidates who legitimately should have been able to claim a victory. They've done damage to um, candidates who probably should be out of the field. They've done damage to journalism and and analysis and all that. And frankly, the biggest damage is to themselves. Hmm. Because I, I cannot imagine how they can justify going forward with caucuses. Uh, well, you know, uh, it's, almost, it's beyond comprehension. If it was only the caucus system that uh, <laughs> runs a foul, well, no, seriously. I mean, we no, you're right. You're we, right. We've been warning right. about this stuff, man. You introduce this tech into a mission critical election. Just wait for the ransomware attacks, John Nichols. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, Los Angeles with five and a half million voters could be knocked offline on March third. I am terrified about that. Well, but brother, yeah. even if there's not, yeah. You don't introduce this new technology right. without testing it, you know, without making sure you've got your fail-safes in place. Or, now, I understand you may object to it on a deeper sense, and I, I sympathize with you. But what I'm saying is they introduced it in such a massively incompetent way, in such a disrespectful way to the process itself, that 
you know, sort of a double whammy here. Mm-hmm. And if I can just emphasize, we have not spoken about the one reality that is perhaps most important to all of this and why it's so problematic that today they release 62% rather than 100%. Mm-hmm. Within our lifetimes, in fact, frankly, in time, the time, within the time that you and I have been doing radio and podcasts together, mm-hmm. right? Um, Rick Santorum yep. in 2012 yep. won the Iowa caucuses, mm-hmm. but it wasn't declared on caucus night. Right. In fact, victory was given to Mitt Romney. Yep. Santorum was not actually given his victory until long afterward when his campaign had already stumbled and weakened. Yep. And the bottom line is that that's what I mean about undermining the small-D democratic processes of the country. Whether we like the systems that are in place, whether we like the way the media covers stuff, whether we like any of it, the fact of the matter is that if you go out there and declare a victory with insufficient or screwed up Results, even if you're, there's no conspiracy, even if, you know, everybody's doing their best they can, if you don't have this, the basic sense of decency, the basic sense of commitment to the process to get it right, you end up in a situation where somebody who might have been president of the United States doesn't get there. Uh, well, in this case, it was Rick Santorum who didn't get there, so I can't well, be too sad about problem. that. Yeah, but, but the problem is hey, that... Hey, we got a CNN gig. Yeah, right? we got a CNN gig, uh, and the fact is that at least two weeks later, we did know that he... Rick Santorum absolutely did win in 2012. Why? Because they had hand-counted, hand-marked yeah. uh, paper ballots publicly overseen, counted at the precinct. And it is that is what you know. my concern is, for example, with this L.A. system. Even if it works right, the people can't know that it worked right. And that alone is a threat to democracy that you know I've been uh, oh, yelling and screaming look. about for years. But And you know, by the way, Yep. We've been so negative here. Yep. Let's go for one heroic thing. you got to do it very quickly. Very quickly. I was in those caucuses. I was in a caucus, big caucus last night, yep. and I saw how dutiful the people who were running it on the ground were and how they did keep the records, yeah. right? They kept all the forms that people filled out. Yeah. And in and, and a sense of, of you know, honor and decency, and it is horrifying to me that in both parties, but including the Democratic Party, as you move up the food chain, as you move from the grassroots up to the people who are actually paid to get this right, that sense of honor and decency seems to just dissipate. Well, I always say, don't blame the voters. The voters are doing fine. Leave them alone. It's everyone else we need to worry about. John Nichols, i got to get out, my brother. Uh, check out his work, of course, as always, at thenation.com. Follow him on the Twitters at Nichols Uprising. That uprising will continue, and we will continue to talk about it uh, in the weeks and months ahead. Thank you, John. Much, much Thank you, appreciated, brother. brother. Talk to you later. Thank you. Okay, I know, Desi Doyne, don't look at me like that. Yes, we, gotta we have get to out. go. I know. We'll take a break here, and we are back with the Green News Report right after this on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener-supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. Please drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. such a stickler about being on time and the radio clock and stuff. Yes, and now it's time for us to hear our Green News News Report. 
The Migratory Bird Treaty Act has been credited in saving millions, if not billions, of birds. Not anymore. Trump administration rolls back protections for birds. Monarch butterfly conservationists found dead in Mexico. New emails confirm Trump White House lied about Hurricane Dorian and Sharpie Gate. Plus, electric cars shift into high gear in the Super Bowl. All of those stories and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. You want to see a bird graveyard? You just go, take a look, a bird graveyard? Go under a windmill someday. You'll see more birds than you've ever seen ever in your life. And yet, you're killing the Migratory Bird Treaty Act of 1918. Sounds like you want to kill the birds, Mr. President. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, for a guy who uses Twitter so much... Donald Trump sure does seem like he wants to kill a lot of birds. Yes, yes, he does. While President Trump frequently spouts ridiculous lies about the wind industry and bird deaths, the truth is that exponentially more birds are killed by house cats, buildings, and oil and gas projects than are killed by wind farms. Now the Trump administration is showing its concern for birds by weakening the rules that once protected them. In yet another environmental rollback favoring the oil and gas industry, the Trump administration has moved to eliminate penalties and fines for industries that kill migratory birds under the 100-year-old Migratory Bird Treaty Act. The new rule now only holds companies liable if they explicitly intended to kill birds. Mm. In other words, if you say you didn't mean to, it's okay. Well, that's the same defense he's used for impeachment, so why not? Conservation groups say U.S. bird populations are already declining from lax enforcement. The New York Times reports internal agency documents show the administration has been actively discouraging companies from taking even minimal precautions to prevent bird deaths, and federal wildlife officials have mostly stopped investigating it. Somebody really ought to give him the bird. Remember Sharpie Gate last September? Yes, I do. That's when Trump used a marker to alter an official map forecasting the path of Hurricane Dorian in order to justify his bizarre false claim that Alabama was somehow threatened. And then the White House doubled down rather than just admitting Trump made a mistake. Yeah, that sounds like him. That map that you today looks like it's almost like a Sharpie. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I drew a Sharpie around the state of Alabama. I don't know. I don't know. Now, new internal emails released in a public records filing show that, yes, the map was doctored, Trump was lying, and the White House knew it all along. Knock me over with a feather. The emails also show how those lies roiled the nation's weather agencies as Trump political appointees criticized weather agency staff and scientists for contradicting the president. In one email, top NOAA official Craig McLean warned of long-term consequences of the administration's actions, quote, eroding the public trust in NOAA. But consequences for the president misleading the public about a weather forecast? Probably not. Well, there's never consequences for this president for anything, silly you. Meanwhile, some very disturbing news in Mexico, where authorities are investigating the apparent murders of two defenders of a monarch butterfly sanctuary that all occurred within a single week in the central Mexican state of Michoacan, the wintering grounds for millions of the iconic and increasingly threatened monarch butterflies. Officials are investigating whether the deaths of the advocates are connected to their work in environmental conservation. The Washington Post 
Post reports that illegal loggers tied to Mexico's criminal underworld have frequently clashed with conservationists who had succeeded in banning logging from the butterfly sanctuaries. Finally, Super Bowl 2020 is over, but the ads may have signaled a cultural shift. Super Bowl ads featuring electric vehicles used to be rare, but not anymore. For the first time, not one, not two, but four automakers spent millions to promote their electric cars during the Super Bowl. NBA star LeBron James repped an all-electric Hummer, and actress Maisie Williams of HBO's Game of Thrones sped past traffic jams, gas stations, and gas guzzlers in Audi's new all-electric SUV, all the while belting out the hit song from the movie Frozen. Yeah, she was singing Let It Go. I don't actually understand what that meant, but I was very happy to see all of those electric car ads. In fact, I was able to count the car ads that weren't for electric vehicles. I think I saw maybe one or two. Exactly. And these ads appear to mark a significant marketing shift for major car makers. According to the New York Times, last year the auto industry spent more than $8 billion in advertising in the United States, but less than one half of 1% of that went to promote electric vehicles. Every car maker has plans to add electric vehicles to their lineups. Maybe now they'll actually try to sell them. Yeah. Pro tip. Good time to get rid of your gas guzzler, at least if you want to ever get any money for it. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find, follow, and share us planet-wide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyle. And this has been your Green News Report. Well, now they know. Let it go. See? I told you we'd get out in time, Desi Doyen. Let it go. <laughs> my thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, and my guest today, the nation's John Nichols, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program or any other, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. Drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the Bradblog. And my thanks to those of you who helped Keep us on the air every day by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate. We could not do it without you. Thank you. Let it go, Daz. Until tomorrow, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Now they-